This is Work Perks Podcast, episode 21, with me, Brian McCammon. This week is another edition of People Doing It Right, and very excited to have a special guest today, Lisa Dallenbach, who uh, is going to be walking us through and really explaining her views on the evolving workplace, how a nimble uh, you know, HR practitioner uh, and, and enthusiast of all things people can stay on the leading edge, really how she's done it over her career. Uh, you know, a little bit about Lisa, and I'll, I'll steal just a bit of her thunder. She has held titles such as Chief People Officer of Silverline, Chief Human Resource Officer of Mindshare, and published author of Adapt or Lose, How to Recruit and Retain Talent in a World That's Constantly Changing, and that was published in Forbes circa 2017. So without further ado, Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. We are very excited to have you here. Uh, we were chatting before the uh, the show got started about some interesting things that I'm sure we'll find ways to, uh, to segue and, and pull into the show. Um, before we dive too much farther in, uh, you know, fill us in on, on any gaps. Uh, obviously, I, I hit the high level, uh, some titles that you've had, some accomplishments, but would love to hear more about you and, and you know, illustrate more, um, you know, about your background, your expertise for everyone listening. Sure. Um, thank you. And again, I'm really happy to be here today. And it's funny you mentioned that article because I guess never were we in a rapidly changing time than we are now. <laughs> right. I, I did that in 2017, which little did we know, right? Um, yeah, so I've, I've really had the great gift of working with incredible leaders at amazing organizations. But it's interesting when I look back over my career, the thread that is always there consistently is that ability to come in and take um, what is there already that is great and really help, um, you know, with great teams and great peers um, to build it out and make it even better and the best it can be, which is about, right, being nimble and always about looking at, it's not that, um, it's not always a, a crazy crush to be evolving in a big way, but it's that impatience with saying, okay, we're fine and always looking to understand how we can evolve to be better. Even when I was back at Digitas, which I was there for 15 years, and half that time I was on the client side, on the client businesses. I worked on Amex and General Motors and a few others. Um, you know, that time no, no there big, was- No big deal. Just, just you know, some small companies. <laughs> no, <laughs> no one I had, I had, um, I had some small, I mean, smaller ones too. Um, love them all. And even, um, but that was a time when that, you know, digital was new back then. And that office was growing and building out. Our home office was in Boston and New York was the small office at the time. And really we were looking to build and expand and how we could take something that we knew was great and make it even better. So I feel like that's such a, for me, it's a very creative process. And I think it's one more than ever that is so critically important um, we're being forced to do a lot of this right now. Um, and you and I were talking earlier. Um, none of us would wish our current circumstances with the virus on. And, you know, we don't want to do this again. But it's been an incredible amplifier and pushed us to do things that we are clearly able to do. So um, I think it's really been, from that perspective, an amazing time. The progress we have made is great. And how we keep thinking about that from a people in HR perspective and a workplace environment perspective is really going to be critical going forward. You know, it, it really is. You you mentioned something interesting just a moment ago about how one of your your roles or your your focus was um, evolving and changing, as as referencing to that article, right? The world is constantly changing, and there's there's always that frustration about, like you said, wanting to change quickly. 
do you find that often we we overestimate or underestimate our ability to to drive change when it comes to all things in the workplace? That's a good question. You know what I think gets in our way is that fear, right? I mean, mm-hmm. first, even those that say I love change, there's still a human element that change is difficult for humans, right? That's a brain thing. Um, I think what gets in the way is that fear of did we think about it right? How is the impact going to be all of those? And this year, we haven't had the luxury of thinking about it um, for that amount of time. So I think the fear gets in the way. And, you know, I've said to a lot of employees over time, um, you don't want to be at an organization that is not changing and not evolving, especially now. You don't, you always want to be somewhere that is adapting and evolving and becoming the best it can be because therefore that's the environment for you to be the best you can be and how we sort of psychologically put that fear aside and step into it and know you have support around you and let's come back to that point later that support around you is so critical more now than ever it it really is um you know you mentioned something about risk uh maybe not risk but thinking about things the right way and do you find in the business world that when it comes to internal policies and things like shaping the workplace, that companies are more trained to look at the downside of risk versus the upside? Because it seems as though when it comes right. to launching products or, or pushing the envelope with revenue, everyone sees the upside of the risk and they look at that as calculated. But it does seem on the surface when we talk about all things, how do we invest in our people, that it's well, what could go wrong? So I'm curious your your take on that. Yeah. Well, and I think some of that is, I mean, listen, we're a litigious country, right? I mean, we, we are. And so <laughs> you're never more apparent than today. So, you know, and listen, that some of people forget, right? HR's first job is to make sure we are mitigating risk. And so mm-hmm. there is a lot of thought. But I think more than that, we want to be really thoughtful about the impact it's having on employees and the environment and the workspace. So I think there is some really healthy and very good reasons why we look at the risk. Um, But, you know, I think most of us are probably trained practitioners that even as shiny as it looks and all the positive, you have to play that devil's advocate. What I think we get trapped in is doing that for too long because Mm -hmm. there's nothing more beautiful than that phrase. This, I'm so attracted to leaders that will say like, listen, let's try it. And let, and we, if we need to change the channel, right, fail fast, right? That's the whole concept right. there, if we need to. And I think having that conversation with employees is really important. There's many things that we've launched and done. And, and I'll go out and say to them, like, listen, we're going to try this. We need your feedback. And I'll set up very formal groups to get that, to understand what do we need to tweak and do. And if it fails entirely, fine, we'll walk away from it. But we will always continue to try and not let that fear get in the way, Right. And that, that whole like worst case scenario, if you can live with that, okay, you can live with that. So let's go for it. Yeah. I, I think it's important to obviously caveat, right? We're not talking about let's risk, you know, the financial future of a company, yeah. let's risk people's careers. <laughs> right. We're not talking right. about stuff like that. Um, I think it's also important to note that, you know, if you're going to look at something that could impact the entire enterprise, no organization, it doesn't matter if you're changing technology providers, service providers, uh, paper suppliers, pens, whatever it is, you're probably not going to make a total enterprise-wide switch at the snap of a finger. You're going to roll it out in phases. So it's like, hey, why not try with a pilot right. group? If it fails, it fails. But then we kind of get a taste and we go a little bit step further. And, and I always think of it in terms of, of, of sales uh, because I'm a career salesperson, full disclosure. 
And it's, it's like you wouldn't, if you had a message you thought was going to really resonate with a market, you probably wouldn't send it out to every single person in your database and hope that it worked. You'd, you'd pilot it. Yeah, right, <laughs> just right, right. a little. No, I like that. And actually I, I hesitate to use the word pilot because I worry that from a, uh, an employee perspective, they don't believe there's commitment behind it. But I think you're right. Like the phasing of it, right. And in even, um, you know, there's a performance management program that we built out at Silverline and we did it in phases so it could build upon. And there's also something about humanly, right? So I, I love your analogy if it's papers and pens and all that. Like, let's say you changed all that. Like, let people have it a little bit at a time, right? Dig- right. You can only digest so much at once. Right? So I think that that, um, I think there's a lot of truth and value in that, 100%. I, I would agree with you. And, and that's kind of why I was asking the question about overestimating and underestimating what we can accomplish in, you know, in months or years. And, and I think about this in terms of, let's say, like books. Um, one of my 2021 goals is to read 10 pages a day. And I'm actually reading a book. Uh, I just started. That's a nice goal. That's bite size. I like it. I'm such a fan of the micro move. Yeah, it's it's bite size. It's one that's been sitting on my desk for a little while. It's called the Happiness Advantage: How a Positive Brain Fuels Success in Work and Life. And I'm going, okay, ten pages. And as I kind of flip this open, and I know I'm digressing, uh, but it's 210 pages long. So I go, okay, 21 days. I can read a book in 21 doable. days. Uh, it's doable. I think if I set out a goal and said I wanted to read 12 or 15 books in a year, that it's how we think about things and how we roll those things out. 10 pages a day, you go, eh, I could probably manage that. Yeah, yeah I might miss a day agreed. or two. And, and hey, that's okay. Uh, so it's interesting as we're, we're talking about change and kind of you know rolling things out. As we transition that and we think about the employee experience, uh, you know, and what does it mean to to have that experience with an organization. If we look back over the last 18 months, I don't think there's anything that's been gradually (laughs) rolled out. It's been drinking from a fire hose for many, whether that was forced remote work, um, you know, families and having to deal with uh, also more people at home, job disruption, economic disruption, all of that. You know, what, what's your take on how the employee experience has, has changed over the last, you know, 18 months or so. And then what do you think that impact is the, the, the staying power of some of those impacts is going to be as we move forward for companies? Yeah. So I think the first that you um, alluded to is that incredible amount of flux. So while on one hand it has been really challenging, we all of a sudden have allowed all that flux into the work environment, which is, I don't think a bad thing, right? You have dogs walking in and out of Zooms, kids, people are like, hold on, I got to do like, which before in a lot of organizations, that was a bit verboten, right? You, you like it was work, work, and you don't really have that. And so all that flux that was happening is now a very standard thing for most employees. I think the thing that, um, that worries me, and I think goes to what I think is so critical that organizations are providing for employees right now is I feel like in the last 18 months, what employees have really, they've started to really look to their workplace as the place of consistency and stability, mm-hmm. which you never had that before, right? You had home and you had the world and every, you know, you had, everything was more relatively stable and you knew what to expect. And so I feel like they are looking to us and looking to workplace to be the place of calm and stability. And so how we take that and drive that 
into an experience for them that we can do that and support that and be supportive of them. What they need at home is so important right now. Um, and, and I work at a small organization, so we can do that. I think it's got to be incredibly challenging for the larger ones um, to figure out how you do that. How can you be very individual and intentional and in giving the support people need so that it is calm and steady and they can think and do the job that they're here to do, whether that's a thinking job, a physical job. Sure. So I think that, again, I think that flux, um, I, I think it's amazing that it's just part of the world now. I think that's going to be a good thing, right? That takes all that stress off. But then how do we support all that flux and what people need coming out of that is going to be really important for us, at least for me as, um, you know, their partner in what they're doing in the workplace. I think it's important to start to even change some of our language, moving away, in my, this is my own view, moving away from things like managers and, and you know, rethinking that to be leaders. And as you make the, uh, a really interesting thought um, around work being that place of stability, what are some of, what are some of the areas or, or some of the things that, you, that you've seen or, or you foresee um, you know, leaders really needing help uh, to make sure that they can, ha- you know, help their teams and be that that point of stability. Yeah. So the leadership question is a is a huge one. So I think a lot of us are just assuming that oh, first of all, leading remote teams is different than leading in the office. But so you have to make sure your leaders are strong to start mm-hmm. with. But it's different. But. I think it really does come down to it's a mindset, right? If you're always looking like, okay, we're just going to do this now and go back to where we were. Like, you know, you, you have to have the mindset now that it's different and be open and embracing that mindset. If your mindset continues to be, well, we just have to now do this until the fall of 2021, it sounds like, and then we're going to go back to the way it was. I think that really trips up managers and how we help them become comfortable. And that to me is fear-based, right? They're, they're afraid of now what this is and how they're going to lead in that. How we get them past that, that fear that's back to change, and then how we equip them. But in my opinion, it still comes down to performance management, right? Leading a team. The connection piece is the big one that's, I think, mm-hmm. the toughest. So it still comes down to those those leaders that say, well, I, I don't know what my employees are doing, and I don't know if they're productive. And if you're focused on outcomes and focused on goals and focused on what they need to get there, it should be okay no matter where you are, right? So I'm making that a very blanket statement. Right. There's a lot goes in that. But I think if that's what we're all focused on together is outcomes. And that's a that's a really important lesson for leaders to learn, right? You may have a way that you go about a goal and an outcome and someone else has a totally different way to get there. That's diversity. You have to be open to how somebody gets there. If you all get to the outcome and you're meeting your goals, doesn't really matter how or what, you know, for the most part. So I think helping managers the mindset get past that fear, get helping them feel equipped um, to lead that around in terms of performance management. The connection piece is to me is the most challenging. You hear lots of people talking about that because people, listen, we all know, right? They they join an organization because of their their boss, their manager, their leader. Um, that connection piece is incredibly important. Now there's some people that have always worked remote and not as much. Mm-hmm. But how you, that whole, um, Jamie Dimon mentioned it at one of his podcasts, the creative combustion that comes when you're in person, right? That all those things we're talking about, like that hallway, quick this, quick hello that, 
even the body language and the tenor in a room that you pick up with your senses that you can't as well on Zoom, even literally because your brain works so differently on Zoom. So those are the pieces that I feel like leaders really need the help and the, the creativity to help them figure out how they're going to do that. And if they have that piece, the connection, the relationship piece, the others should fall in as they as they continue to work with their teams in such a different manner. If that makes sense. Oh, it does. And, and I'm glad you brought up the creativity piece. There's a couple of things you brought up that are, are, are brilliant. And I completely agree with you. I, I had a role um, and went full remote. Oh, boy. I want to say it was 2016. 2016. So now about five years ago. Yeah. Uh, and the, that initial adjustment was pretty challenging. Uh, but then I came to thrive in the environment. And, and this is, and the team I was on, we did not use video conferencing. So no one got to see yeah. my big, my big, ugly, bald mug. Um, <clears throat> they just got to hear my voice. And, and, but that's what I was used to. We managed to make it work. And I will say that the job that I was in, I was a sales trainer. When you're building sales content and training content, that's a highly creative process. It was challenging to to get that work done. Uh, you know, oftentimes meetings would take a long time, and they were kind yeah. of chores, and it was a pain in the butt. If I can speak candidly, so I'm I'm curious for those creative roles yeah. where people need to collaborate. How do you see organiz? Let's let's say that they still have to be remote, right? They're right now. Um, and you know, we're eyeballing fall 21 before people, you know, can safely be in large groups and we feel good about it. What are your thoughts on how creative roles can overcome some of that virtual roadblock? Yes. I think some of that is just, um, space and some of it's technology. So let me talk about each of those. I think allowing, um, and I'm trying to do this um, with my teams, um, and they actually really, we've come to just love the, it's not, it's time to just chat, to just mm -hmm. throw things around, throw the ball around, but literally it's just, there's no goal in the meeting. It's now that's hard because everybody's crushed for time, but to make sure you have those times where you are kind of just sitting around on a Zoom. And as much as that sounds like, oh, we're sitting around, is that wasting time? No, it's really good time, right? We're just throwing things out there. We're talking about it. It's very loose. It's very free. We are not accomplishing a goal in this meeting. Um, it is just to throw things around. There's also a lot of technology out there that has allowed you to mimic a whiteboard, to mimic different things so mm -hmm. that you can, um, because there's nothing like, I love being in a room with my team with the post-it notes and the whiteboards and the writing and the crossing it off and the do like, I'm very hands-on that way. And there are tools out there that help. They take some getting used to because it's still not that, you know, there is something when you feel that excitement, when someone jumps up and rips down three of the post-it notes and pops <laughs> the other ones up, there's yep. something where you feel that, right? But if you can allow some of that space, the time to freely it's giving yourself permission to have the meeting that is just to bat it around and try some of the technology that's out there that mimics the whiteboards, mimics some of that creative space. You can do it. But I think that's one of the biggest challenges right now. Um, and I think then that segues into how you start to look at the workplace going forward, right? I, I really think that people going forward, when they have work to do, so to speak, mm -hmm they're gonna stay at home and get that work done. And they're gonna come into the office with the intention of being together, doing something creative, whatever it might be. So how do we 
figure out, does the workspace need a bunch of desks? We need some, but how do you create spaces? So, and for now, so people can be in there distanced and safe so they can come in and they can have those type of, um, you know, that creative combustion opportunity together. I am very curious for those organizations that have a big footprint, commercial footprint, you know, will they go to more of that kind of open concept, co-working type space? Um, obviously, that brings some inherent tech challenges. If you yeah. were a, a, a desktop computer kind of company, now you likely need to be a laptop, be a little more portable. Uh, but it, uh, I, I agree with you, the ability for creative thinkers to get together in one place to do that work will never go away. Uh, how has, how has some of that collaboration specifically in the human capital field, like how, how has that been impacted? Because I don't think many people think of human capital as highly creative in the same way that they would uh, maybe a sales meeting or a marketing meeting or a graphic, you know, maybe not graphic design, but designers, you know, uh, you know, Disney Pixar people. Um, right, right. So curious, you know, kind of your take on, on how, that's all been. Yeah. Popular. Cause I mean, and it's funny you say that because I always think of what I do as a very creative um, process. Um, but now that I choose roles where I, I can be creative. Right. And I, I don't think the process is that different because we will sit there and say, we want to do this or that. And we will talk through what's the best approach. What's the best communication. How do we need to tweak that? Like, right. It's the targeting. How does it need to be different for this group versus that group? So it um, it's that ability to think out loud. And, and what I, I miss about it and I think it's so critical that we keep front and present is that's your ability to bring in all your great thinking, right? Mm -hmm. I can walk in and say, it should be this, this, and this fine. I think it sounds right. What I really want is my amazing team to weigh and say, what did you think about Then we get back to diversity again. I want you, did you think about that? Did we think about that? That's where all that great thinking comes in. And that's what you don't want to lose. And even circling this back that's where you get to how important the relationships are because you need to have trust. You need to, and these are all inclusivity elements, right? You need to have trust. You need to be your authentic self now more than ever because you're on a zoom and it is a little boxed in, right? It's, <laughs> it's not us. You don't see us all maybe hanging out casually, which then sort of sends a body message of, Hey, it's okay. We're relaxed here. There, So there's all these element of the senses that are missing when you're on zoom. And so those other pieces become that much more important. So I don't, to answer your question, I don't think the, the process and the need for that is that much different in HCM because it is still a creative process. You are, I look at our employees and my organization at, I look at them still as my clients and my job is to set them up for success. And what that looks like is an iterative ongoing creative and evolving process as to what they need. They're changing. Therefore I have to change what I'm doing or be very aware that I probably do I need to or not to be asking that question. You know, as, as, as we're thinking about, and, and still kind of on that topic of, of remote and, and all things, um, you know, human capital, how, walk us through some of the challenges that, that your teams have faced trying to onboard people, um, you know, during this process and trying to, to get, you know, these new hires, uh, or even people in new roles, you know, feeling, uh, you know, jazzed, part of the team, ready to dive in where they don't necessarily get to go and walk, you know, run the kind of the, yeah. the, the cubicle gauntlet, right? Meet these 16 people and here's your swag bag and all that. You know, right. what are some of the things that, that your teams have done to help keep that energy level high for people? 
Yeah. So we've done a couple of things. So first we took it every single thing that we did for onboarding and we did the exercise of, okay, how can we do this in remote? How can we do this in remote? And there's something about speed also. So I'll walk you through a couple of the, um, so when we have a new hire, because the swag bag is, is so important, the swag bag arrives literally the next day. Like we make sure there's things that we send out electronically so that we can build that fun and enthusiasm that they would probably have when they first come in that first day and you're having breakfast for them and that kind of thing. Um, we're doing things that we're sending um, uh, the first day on orientation because they normally have that breakfast that you have together kind of thing where we send them something so they can order breakfast and we have some fun kind of like, our, what are you eating? What are you eating? That's now I'm not onboarding hundreds of people at the same right. time. So I've got that as a luxury. Um, and then we've also taken um, time. So whereas we might've done our onboarding in two days type of thing before, now we are stretching it out across a week and it's three hours every morning. So we're being sensitive to the fact that I, sitting on a Zoom all day, right, in orientation is, ch is challenging. And for, <laughs> mm -hmm. it's too much for people to digest and learn when you don't have those quick breaks and different things that you have in a live setting. So we've chunked it out differently. Um, and then we've done a better job supporting the teams that they are going to so that it's consistent. So we have this whole process that each team has developed that is the same content that each team department needs to fill out and have done and ready to go so that everybody then when they get into their team is learning the same type of deeper content as it relates to the department that they're going to. Uh, we've also incorporated um, a lot of games and a lot of fun, so different things We'll have them go get off the Zoom for 15 minutes and go collect three things around the house that, you know, are identify you. Or we'll have them go get, okay, who's closest right now? Your dog, your child, your hamster, your plant, whatever it is, go get it and show it. So we do some fun things. The show, the coffee mug is such a huge hit. Um, and then we always, I give away a gift card to the person that will show me the bottom of the mug and how dirty it is and that they drink out. You know, so we do some fun, there's plenty of people that don't wash their coffee mug every day. So we try to do oh. some fun things there that they can get to know each other and have some fun and drive some energy there. Then you get back into the content. Then you do something fun, get back mm -hmm. into the content. So, um, so we're trying to incorporate some of that. It's been pretty successful. Um, and at Silverline, I had the luxury of, you know, we were already remote. And so I had a lot of great, they, Silverline, when I got there, had an incredible onboarding um, that they do remote. So um, you can do it. I mean, that's sort of the thing in all of this that we find, oh, we can't do this now, we're remote. We'll step back and ask yourself, well, how could we? It's so easy to say no, right? Um, we were just talking about this last night. It's so easy to say no. Saying yes and figuring that out, that's the creative process. And that actually is the really fun challenge. Well, how do we do it? You can, we can do it. We've done it all year. It, it's fascinating how often the knee-jerk re reaction for so many things in life can be, oh, that's, that's going to be hard. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if we can do that. As opposed to shifting that mindset and, and saying, how can we? Yeah. Uh, you know, and and you might you... get to know, you might right. get to, we can't, but like to start. And I will, I will caveat to say, I am the, to a fault. The first person like, yes, we can do that. Yes. You got to have a good team of, of a couple little advocate, devil's advocates around with you as well, but you might get to the place to say, we can't do it. We can't do it. And you'll know that like, as you keep trying, keep trying when you really get to like, wow, can't do this. Okay. But you tried, which is inspiring. Good. And then you can go back to employees and say, Hey, we tried. Here's all the reasons why we can't. And then they understand that as well. Like the communication is so big. Well, and it goes back to one of the first things that we were talking about, which was rolling things out in 
um, kind of in phases or iterations, you can try something, uh, you know, and, and you're exhausting ways to make it work and it's not working, but you're always that much closer to finding a way that it could work. Uh, right. and, and, and that mindset really does start to trickle down to the entire organization, not just in creativity, but to operational yes. and customer service. I mean, I had, I had this scenario, um, just the other day where someone told me, you know, Hey, if you want to, uh, drop your, your car off for service. It has to be between these hours. And it's like, well, I'm a working adult, so no. And right. It's like, what, what can we do to figure this out? And if that person wasn't empowered to make some other decisions, my car would still be needing service. Fortunately, right. they were empowered to make those decisions. Uh, but, but that mindset, uh, you know, right. really starts to trickle down. So that's so, that's so important. But that's, and that's such an interesting concept, right? Cause that's about empowering people. Mm-hmm. So that is another one that I think is so critical from, from a leadership perspective and as organizations grow, you know, to get away from that bureaucratic, here's the rules, here's the process, right? We all need structure. We all need that. Fine. But right. empowering people to be solution oriented and feel, know that it's a safe space to come up with a solution and try it and go for it. I think the companies that are going to win are the customer service ones that empower their people right there on the phone to come up with a solution that works within reason, not sure. like I got to get a supervisor. I can't do that. That's our rules. Like you ran into, those are the ones that are going to win. And so we're going to win in the workplace if we structure our teams and the environment that allows them to be empowered to make decisions. And otherwise, gosh, why are they there? We have all these bright people around. Let's let them loose to do what we want them to do here versus put them in a box. Absolutely. and it, Easier it always, said than done, right? <laughs> much easier said than done. But it always, it, it always, to me, it brings up uh, kind of an interesting point. If you have confidence in the people that you hire, why do you hire them and then immediately right. put them in an environment of distrust? Um, distrust in the sense of you have to come seek me out in order to have approval for this, this, or you know, this, that, or the other. Yeah. It's like, well, if, if you hired the right people and they believe in, in the organization's mission, they're confident in their skill set, what they, what they know, what they know what they need to do to succeed and to perform, you know, it's like, why do we, you know, why do we find ourselves in that situation? That's, yeah, I think that that comes back to the fear-based, right? It's yet to ask yourself the question, what are you afraid of? And it's a good exercise. What are you afraid of? And whatever that worst case is, can you live with that? Is it, I mean, I would say to my teams, almost everything's fixable. Sooner oh, I know everything. better. <laughs> right. But I, I agree with you. You have these great talent. We have so many talented, bright thinkers around us. Let them help us all be our best. Mm-hmm. I can't be my best without them. So I got to let them be free to do that. Absolutely. Rising tide raises all ships. Yeah. Okay. So we've gone through quite a myriad of topics, uh, but there's one, uh, there's one little piece that I would like to dive into uh, a bit more. Uh, and that is the kind of the individual family dynamic and how 2021 has impacted that and why that matters with work. You mentioned earlier, uh, and uh, this might give a giveaway when we're actually recording, but a few days ago, there was a meteorologist in Southern California that had a toddler uh, climb up her leg mid, you know, like mid weather. Uh, and they just kind of went with it. I think it was great. Um, you know, having dogs in the background, kids in the background, it's going to happen as, as we continue to move forward in the remote setting, 
do you see that family dynamic staying um, and that family and, and that openness to that staying in the workplace beyond 2021? Or do you see a slight reversion? Or re- I don't even know if that's the right word. <laughs> going backwards. Being creative here. <laughs> I just, you know. I know I, where I, you're I, going. I know where you I meant. made it up. Reverting back to work is work, home is home, life is siloed. Yeah, I hope not. I, I just think it's allowed people. I mean, listen, it can be stressful when you're trying to work, whether it's managing, getting physically somewhere, you know, to an office, managing like, okay, everybody be quiet. Now I'm, I, there's a level of stress with that. Right. Um, And I think it's allowed people to be authentic. And so when we talk about the importance of connecting and relationships in the zoom environment right now, there's nothing more beautiful than having, we got to laugh too, right? Usually these things are something funny. You know, the other day, um, I have a Mastiff and she's um, she's a big dog. She's 180 pounds. And the other day she was drinking, <laughs> so she was drinking water off to the side. And someone asked if they're like, it sounds like a river or what is that? And I thought, oh my God. Like, so there's some fun and there's some authenticity that all these things mm-hmm. brings. I really hope not. Um, I think it's allowed us all just to be real. And I think we need that. That allows us to bring our best self to the world. You know, so much of this... Um, I, I pull in the diversity piece all the time because this is so important. People are really seeing this now, but being, again, that's, that's my world. Those are my people. I have a 180 pound dog. That's part of who I am. It allows you to bring your authentic self to anything you're doing. So I hope not. And I don't think so because I mean, I hope I'm not being naive here, but the truth of the matter is when your dog rolls in or your child crawls in your lap or whatever it might be, it's all been okay. Like, We've all been able to keep working. It's, it's, I think, added something better. And it's all been fine. So why? I hope we leave it. I don't see any reason why we would not. Now, maybe there's some cases where you have to really go back to, okay, everybody stay out. So I hope not. I think it's been a really nice thing. And, and we I, all say, like, listen, do what you love. And there is no boundary between work and, and home. I mean, yes, you need to have work-life balance. But then you're really bringing that all together. Right. And you're just doing what you love with people and things around you that you love. And they intertwine a little bit more. It's a little more obvious than it used to be. I think it's okay. I I agree with you. I think, of course, there's always going to be some settings, you know, where that's not really great. Like if let's say you mentioned Jamie Dimon, CEO of Chase, Um, I don't think it would be maybe the best if he was on an earnings call. And, you know, there's kids in the background. Hey, I get that. Or performance something performance related where you're trying to have a tough conversation with yes. a, with an employee. Totally get that. For the, the day-to-day stuff, potentially even a few things as a salesperson, you know, customer facing, it it helps that relational piece and, and helps people rem, uh, be reminded, I'm not dealing with a robot. I'm dealing with yes, a person. A human. <clears throat> a human. And, and a I'm reminded of- A non human. A very non-perfect. All are, right. Very non-perfect. And I'm reminded of something Jeff Bezos um says, and and that's, you know, and and you mentioned work-life balance, uh, but he thinks of it as work-life harmony and kind of that ebb and flow. And Mm, nice word. It is. And it conjures up to me a nice image that they are intertwined because harmony has that, um, you know, his thought process behind his, his thought process behind balance. Again, this is his, not mine, is that it's, you know, hard and fast give and take. Um, so I, I, I'm with you. I hope it doesn't go away. 
it's, it's been very refreshing. Um, it's the new version of bring your kid to work day. Um, fun fact, that's every day. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But I, I also think that in my opinion, anyway, it's going to be really important that we maintain that it's okay. Um, and it's actually beneficial as, especially, you know, for the moms trying to manage Big all time. of it. Um, if you can't have that, my gosh, um, we, we got a lot of, lot of struggle to be managing everything else we need to for, for the work. I shouldn't say just the moms, but the, the, the moms and the dads that are trying that really have a lot they're trying to manage at they, once. They really do. And, and, uh, I'm actually glad that you, you brought up, uh, you know, mothers in the workplace. I don't, I, I won't try to, to mention, you know, hard stats because I'll probably butcher them, but some of the statistics are quite alarming. The amount of, you know, mothers that left the left the workplace in 2020 and will be in 2021 because of that lack of flexibility. And as you think about diversity, you know, um, I think about how brilliant my sister is, my sister-in-laws, you know, and and their mothers. And it's like, why would you want that pulled out of the workplace? I know. Um, yeah. If anything, you'd want that brought in. You know, because again, if we just, you know, look at a gender split in the U.S., let's call it a 50-50 or pretty dang close, you know, men and women, they're going to have very valuable perspectives on everything, with anything and everything that we do. So, again, I think that just drives home the point of no, how and I think last month, the job be. loss report, I think it was, and again, I, don't quote me on the statistics, sure. but I think it was close to 80% of the job loss was women in the workplace. 80%, it's that's awful. almost... It's staggering. So, you know, and we, you know, I'm probably jumping the gun here when we talk about, but, you know, as we start to think about benefits and perks in the workplace, you know, the perk might not be as much of the fun, but the truly supportive of Mm -hmm. how do you support um, this different work home situation that they desperately need help with. I mean, I think the childcare one is one of the biggest um, issues that exists right now. Um, How do you, how do you help them with that? And you can't, uh, the blanket approach is, is challenging, right? Everyone's situation is different. And so how do you mm-hmm. allow for us to be able to support them no matter what they need? You know, that's, if I had to pick one thing that I hope nothing keeps me up at night, but that's the one that really, um, I feel like I'm like wringing my hands because I so desperately want to come up with a solution for them. It's critical for them to, and if you're not calm, you can't be creative and do your best work. Right. You can't. I, right. I you know, and, that. and you know, I, I think about when I was growing up in, in the 80s and 90s, you know, and hearing about, you know, my friends, it was it was kind of an eye, a head scratcher for me at the time. And of course, when you're like seven, you know, nothing's really registering. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, but but to, to the amount of people that had after school care or had to go to, you know, to daycare, um, I was lucky enough that that wasn't the case for my brother, my sister and I. Um, so, and you know, we're smart enough to know that that was something of the anomaly. I, I agree with you. The, the stress that that can put on, um, you know, on people, on their productivity, on their happiness, that's a really, really big thing. And, and, you know, how do we solve that? There's, there's ways to do it. Sometimes I, I think about, you know, a company just looking at a bottom line and it's like, you know, your mission is more than a bottom line. And one line item expense could, with that freed up creativity, yeah. process improvement could suddenly, you know, and no retention. longer. Is a, yeah. And it's no longer a million dollar expense. It's a $1.3 million revenue increase. Yeah. Um, you know, so. Yeah. yeah so it's a critical one that at least myself and my teams will continue to be focused on um, in any way possible that we can. Well, that is a 
stellar transition to this last piece, uh, kind of last segment before we uh, we wrap up. Uh, spotlight perks. <clears throat> so you've uh. you, you've been a part of, you've led some amazing organizations. Um, and so I'll give you sort of uh, an opt out, right? I'll give you two options on this one. The first, what is the coolest perk that you've seen in, uh, that you've seen a company, one of your organizations have in place? And if you decide that you would rather answer this other question, here is, here's your, uh, your opt out, right? <clears throat> so, uh, let's say that money, time and administration is no object. What is one perk that you would want to put in place for your teams? I feel yeah, I like it. you might say that that childcare piece, but I'll let you, you got your pick I, on those like, two questions there. Well, I'll, I'll actually, I'll answer them both has because I think awesome. my first one is so lame. Um, so my, the coolest work I ever saw was um, an office where everybody had skateboards. So I'm from Southern California, which is a very skateboardy culture growing up. Yeah, is. Um, you know, I, I remember getting my first pair of Vans um, in third grade. And so I, I just thought that was cool, but that's just me. Um, so hey, let's I'm, right there, I'm right there with you. Vans off the wall, baby. Woo. I'm like, like who needs to walk down to the bathroom, get on your skateboard and go down. So I love that. Love it. Um, and there was a couple that used to skateboard down. They would set up all the bean bags and then they would skateboard down. And then when they hit the end, they would jump and land in the beanbag. So <laughs> there's nothing that, that to me was like the best work break I ever saw. That's awesome. Um, I didn't try that. I don't have enough coordination. Um, but yes, you are right. Answering the second one. If I, if I had the magic wand, I would, I would literally be able to provide what every single employee needs at home. Now we don't have that. Um, but to me, that is, I, at least for me, one of my biggest goals this year is to think about how, how the workplace, how my team can be the support that they need. Can I answer everything and do everything? No, but how can I continue to evolve, to have an environment that they know we are here to support, that they know that they can come ask. Mm -hmm. So I can't maybe do everything, but they can come ask and they can let us know how they're doing and they can let us know what they need. And to push us to, I'm going to pull together so much what we talked about here. How can we push to be yes oriented and try? Mm -hmm. We may not get there, but how can we be as creative as possible in a very individual way and situational atmosphere for what people need? And I also, I think, um, you know, that goes into, you know, how to even um, for those going out on maternity leave, like how do we be smarter about returnship to work? And it doesn't have to look one way. It can look all sorts of ways. It can. Right. It can. Um, so I guess that's what, yes, I would take my magic wand and do that. And since I know I can't, I have to try to be that magic wand as much as I can. Right. And, and that's, I feel like is really one of our biggest goals this year is to do that and let our people know that we are a team and HR, which I don't even love that word. Right. <laughs> um, I love the people team. You know, we are there. We're there for the hard stuff, but we are there to also support you to enable your success. That's the end of the day. What we were there to do: enable you right. to be your best self. And I want my people to walk away saying, "I did the best work of my career." This organization. So, how do I? What do I get out of your way so you can do that? Um, do you have that for me? That wand. Excellent. <laughs> Not yet. Not right. yet. But we're I do. Talking. I do have a suggestion or an idea, and. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I think it goes back to one of the points that we had first started talking about, and that is we don't have to think about things in absolutes. So if we were going to specifically talk about uh, child care, nothing says that it has to be paid child care for five days a week, 52 weeks a year. What if you start off and you say it's one day a week, twice right. a month, you know, one day a week, once a month, 
And then we can grow it to one day a week, twice a month, to one day a week, three times a month. Um, you know, what if it's a small supplement, you know, towards something? So I, I, I think to your point, nothing says, right, or we think about the book. We're not, if, if, if we get, you know, inundated and say we're trying to read this book in no time flat, but we go, hey, 10 pages a day. We can bite yeah. that off. So you go, okay, childcare. Someone might on the surface go, great, what's one day going to make? What difference is that going to make? Well, the people with the children are going to go, that's going to make a big difference. And I know it's not where I want to be, but it's a step in the right direction. And even, I agree with you, even things like, maybe we should change so that all of our meetings are 45 minutes. That gives then parents the 15 minutes to go check in, make sure their kids are on the Zoom at school, not Xbox. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. that's a micro move that could make a, and it sends a message like, hey, we all just need to go check in on whatever the heck's going on in the house right now. Does the dog need to be let out? I don't know. So I agree with you. That's, we could try that. Does it work every time? Maybe not. Maybe the meeting runs over, but it's a start and it's not overwhelming. I, I really like here now the 21 days. I'm going to join you in that. The there 20 we go. pages. Well, and, and uh, we'll, we'll leave this as the final note. I really hope corporate America embraces the 45 minute meeting because people just have to go pee. Yeah, <laughs> and this back need- to back to back meetings is crushing <laughs> No, it is like, and even the mental, I mean, I'm sure there's a study out there somewhere that mental shift, like, okay, we just talked about a over here. Now we're going to talk about Z. I need to quick shift my brain a little, Mm -hmm. get up, stretch a little bit. I know it's really critical right now. Yeah. Oh, it totally is. And what, if we keep all that in 45 minutes, I don't think the extra 15 is going to do anything. Get another 45. Probably not. (laughs) Probably not. Well, Lisa, this has been a, a ton of fun. I've learned a bunch. I know Me our too. listeners will as well. Uh, so thank you so much for uh, sharing your time and your expertise with us and look forward to hopefully having you back on the show again in the future. Yeah. And I really, I love having these conversations and together all of us in this space, I think we can really work to make our whole work environment a better place. We've learned a lot this year. And I think just having these conversations helps us all align on what's really important and we need to do. So thank you for allowing us the platform to do it. Of course. Appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Lisa Dallenbach. I'd say the largest takeaway for me was working diligently to implement the mindset of when something new comes along or we have a new opportunity, not to look at it as hard or challenging, not to look at it as finding all the ways it will not work and instead shift our mindset and say, how can we find all the ways to make that work? For example, her ideal perk at the end, childcare. You know, there's lots of ways to make something like that work and do it in gradual steps, uh, which I guess would be takeaway kind of 1A is implement things one step at a time. So again, uh, I hope you enjoyed the interview with Lisa. She's a very accomplished uh, you know, HR practitioner, someone who's been a chief people officer, chief human resource officer, and just a bright, forward-thinking mind. So if you would be so kind as to leave a review for the Work Perks podcast, wherever you consume podcasts, be that online, uh, Spotify, Apple, whatever the case may be, again, please leave us a review of any shape or size. Always appreciated. Of course, subscribe to the podcast wherever you, again, consume those podcasts, whether that's Anchor, uh, Spotify, Apple, Google, etc. 
and be sure to stay up to date with all of the exciting things in the world of the Work Perks podcast by checking out both the hashtag Work Perks podcast, remember that's work with an E, as well as our LinkedIn business page, Work Perks podcast. Thanks again for your time and attention. We'll catch you next week.